Welcome to the Cherry Picker, the horror movie podcast where we like to kill people, but not really. I'm your host, Zach Cherry, and with me as always... What are you doing here? Eddie, if Edward is true. Oh my gosh, I was so hoping that you would do the line. Which one? You know which line. <laughs> I, we'll get the to only, it. We'll get to I it. I wrote down a few. I guess we'll get to it. We'll, okay. get, we'll get to it. Uh, hey, we are talking about Session 9 today. This movie was released August 10th, 2001. This is a very independent film. Uh, to my understanding, when it was released, it, it, it got an extremely limited release. The, the studio that mm. uh, produced it was just, they didn't know what to do with it because it was a very, um, like unorthodox, I guess, kind of horror movie for the time, like in 2001, when everything was kind of, right. um, you know, like the post scream era and that you were getting into things like, uh, like 13 ghosts, for instance, came out, uh, in 2001, um, mm. so I think that the, the studio wanted to do like a, a, a kind of a trial and just like put it in a few theaters to just nice. see if it kind of built up momentum. Like, I guess like Halloween or scream mm. style and it just sleeper sleeper potential. Yeah. yeah. And just because of the, <laughs> the nature of the movie, just because, because of what kind of film this is, it's just very psychological horror, um, and, and very low budget. It just never got that kind of traction. So it just disappeared and um, it kind of, it, it, from what they said, I was watching the featurette just now, um, it ended up on a lot of like top 10 lists of like the best horror movies you've never seen. Um, uh, so I imagine yeah, probably yeah. a lot of our listeners have not seen this movie, um, but it eventually kind of got a second life on uh, DVD. I think that's where a lot of people mm-hmm. discovered it. And that's certainly where I first discovered it i i believe maybe it was on tv um but this is a movie is just like profoundly creepy and just really kind of uh, leaves you with 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 a feeling uh and and it's and because of that i find that it's very effective this is uh my favorite horror film from 2001 it's probably uh i would say like in a top 10 of like Probably even top five, I would say, of like 2000s horror movies. Because, I mean, not that that's a a huge accomplishment, because I fucking hate the 2000s (laughs) for horror, but... Not your era. Not my era, no. Um, But, yeah, what do you think? Um, Okay, because I had seen... I think it must have been on cable or something when I used to have satellite. And I remember kind of, like, skipping channels. Because I can even see my old like the the bar that would like tell you what you're watching i can see the font and i can see session 9 in that font so i dipped in for like maybe a handful of seconds and went well this is already too in it and i don't even know what part it was because in as i was rewatching i was like well i recognize anything and i didn't because the mind fuckery is in full effect so and you know my memory so reliable mm. but um no, uh, so I, I, I remember not gleaning really anything from it, but it was always kind of on the periphery. I did see it in a number of those, like, lists, and it always, like, I'd say, I don't know, maybe once a year or every other year, like, it'll pop up, like, noticeably, like, in so, in my story from one of my uh, you know, horror fans that I follow or something, and I, yeah, and I'd just be kind of like, oh, yeah, I have to watch that. So I was <laughs> very grateful for the opportunity 
to watch it front to back. I only got through it once, so I don't know what it's like to sit through it uh, in a repeat viewing being well-informed. But I can tell you what went through my head as I walked through it, though. Like that, whew. What I will say, uh, uh, just cards on the table, uh, yeah, it was a trip. I I needed to wind down because I watched it last night right before bed. Not the best idea. Needed to wind down. And <laughs> and I like down to the second, like I was watching like kind of funny, frothy, you know, uh, YouTube shit just to try and kind of get my mind and uh, everything yeah. like in, in my being like it just it just. Yeah. Judge Judy is my go to for for YouTube just to kind of <laughs> decompress. OK, well, now you tell me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is like this is a very I, I might like people kind of compare it to The Shining in a way. Um, like it kind of has a contemporary, mm-hmm. even though it's like more than 20 years old now, like a contemporary Shining kind of vibe to it. It's not, it doesn't have like, I'd say the same artistic flair. Like The Shining is obviously, you mm-hmm. know, such a bombastic movie just in, in, in terms of just like the, the the Stanley Kubrick and visuals of it all. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we'll, we should talk about that movie soon someday. But um, mm. it's... I actually just watched it um, at session nine on New Year's. Uh, so I, I, I watched it a few weeks ago, and that's why it was kind of like uh, at the top of my head, just thinking like, what could we do for for the the next podcast? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I mean, I probably didn't need to watch it again, but I, I just sat through it again anyway, just to, to make sure I absorbed it. Because this is a movie that I could just put on all the time and it is so watchable in a way because you you just kind of like get immersed in this story because there's it's I don't think that it's really twisty in a way. I mean, maybe like because I've seen it so many times, like maybe if you're seeing it the mm-hmm. first time, you you kind of uh, don't see all of the the clues. I think a lot of it is kind of like written on the wall. Um, but it's just, it's the characters and the setting, I think are just like kind of the standouts for it, but I'm just like, I'm happy to kind of revisit it every single time. Um, there's a Scream Factory edition, like that's what I have on Blu-ray that I bought uh, a few years back. And there's, there's, there was a nice, like, like 45 minute uh, featurette on it, uh, which, which I was just trying to speed through just to, yeah, I was surprised because I didn't even realize that there was that much because some of those scream factory releases are pretty bare bones but uh sure, sure. i would absolutely recommend checking this one out if, if you haven't uh so would I. Bef- oh, awesome we're finally in agreement uh for, <laughs> the for, argument will yeah. come later <laughs> <laughs> okay i can't wait uh okay before we get to your premise just a little housekeeping yeah. um mm. I, I do want to welcome some new Patreon supporters. So hello to David Everett and Kara Day. Thank you very much for coming aboard. Uh, we very much appreciate Yay! your support. Uh, if you are uh, wanting to support the podcast or me as a content creator, uh, you can head over to my Patreon, Zach Cherry. Uh, any tier will get you early access to all of our episodes. And if you are supporting on the Freddy Krueger tier, you will get access to the Cherry Picker After Dark, which we do every month. That's happening next week. Uh, Edward, what what's what is it? Just as a reminder for people, 
Oh, I, I, I managed to condense it into something really brief, and I'll, I'll try to do that again. Uh, OG Final Girls versus their remake counterparts yeah. uh, discussion. We made a list of eight, and we'll discuss those. Yeah, I wouldn't even say like really. I mean, well, it'll be interesting when we do record that because I was thinking about it. it's not really even like a versus. It's more of just like a comparison. Um, yeah, I mean, we can we'll we'll decide which one reigns supreme between the two. But <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's more kind just, of unavoidable. Yeah, it's more so just kind <laughs> of like uh, comparing the the qualities of you know more just like the uh, I guess yesteryear uh, uh, sensibilities of of these female characters. To, to more contemporary yeah. ones. Um, so that's sure. happening. Uh, that's our episode next week. Uh, uh, also, I want to thank Boy Cried Wolf, our editor. Thank you very much for all the hard work he's uh, put into doing this. And uh, I, I believe that is the end of the housekeeping. So The house is clean. <laughs> this house is <laughs> clean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Tangina. Forever. She's never far from my mind. Um, But we're talking about this movie now. So uh, premise then? Please. How should I read it? Oh, can you do it in like the creepy voice of, I mean, any of the, any of the voices on the the session tapes, really? Like the doctor? Oh, God. Or princess? I mean, I can try. uh, Billy, Simon? They're so specific and I I haven't rehearsed. So, I mean, I can try. I don't know. (laughs) You let me know. (laughs) Okay. This is going to be whatever it is. Okay. I don't. I oh, I can't remember all of them. Okay, wait, wait. Let me look at the names. Because yeah, there's Mary, you should Princess, you should just like Billy, segue Peter, and Simon segue into different voices as you okay. go. <laughs> okay, pressure's on. Tensions rise within an asbestos cleaning crew as they work in an abandoned mental hospital with a horrific past. That seems to be coming back as one of them delves into a stack of old videotapes that concludes at session nine. (laughs) I can't even. I'm not proud of what I just did. I did my best, folks. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> the movie's better than that. Awesome. Well, okay. If anyone didn't understand that, movie. essentially, it's a, a, a an asbestos removal crew that is hired to go into this abandoned mental hospital uh, to get this job done in a week. Which is just like that's how they ended up getting the bid because they're just like we can do it like faster mm. and like on time. Which oh, and I want to talk about that too. <laughs> But, but, um, oh. yeah, I mean, as it goes along, it just like kind of takes place over like m- from Monday to Friday of just like the situation getting like, this is also very shining of just like the days, uh, going by yeah. and just, uh, things getting creepier and creepier until it all kind of ends in a, a bloodbath more or less. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, let's, um, <laughs> I actually will start with that. Cause the one thing that kind of like stuck out with me. Uh, or to me, was just how no work was getting done at all. Did you did you did that cross your mind as well? I saw the clock. I mean, of course, like you know, my Virgo brain. I'm sitting there, kind of going like, "Okay, people, you have until Monday. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is what is that? Like, I'll call. You know, even when um after uh uh, uh fucking uh uh I, I gotta remember the names after Hank. 
kind of like drops off and they know that they need to call up Craig. And it's just kind of like, yeah, Craig can be here like tomorrow or today after tomorrow. I even forget like which day it is he's coming. Friday. Whatever it was, it was not soon yeah. enough. Yeah, it was not soon enough. I was just kind of like, I'm getting so stressed out because it's a giant bat, this asylum. Like you need to yeah. <laughs> clean up the the seclusions, which are the names of the rooms, the patients' rooms and everything like that. And also the, the, the condition it was in, I was just like... Are they expecting it to be, like, pristine and ready to go? Like, okay, folks, let's get our equipment in and yeah. let's get the laundry and, you know. I like, mean, it's – if I okay. I, it seemed like there was only, like, specific areas that they were working on. Like, that big room that looked like a gymnasium sure. or something was one of them where they were, like, mm-hmm. kind of breaking up the floor. Um, and then there was that area that was all, like – covered off with plastic and I think that that was one and then the tunnels sure because uh, he was going through and like marking the the, the places on the tunnel so it endless. seemed like endless what's that endless tunnels yeah. like I mean they seemed to just go on and on and on and on and it was dark like yeah well the terrifying the one character um I I can't even remember their all their names, but the the nephew, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. yeah, because he suffers yeah. from nyctophobia, the fear of yes. the, the dark. Um, so that kind of like comes into play uh, later on. But I mean, it's it's too bad that I can't remember all their names because I I remember their personalities. Like this is one of those movies where yeah. I like every character. Like this is going to be a hard cherry picker oh, wow. uh, at the end because wow. like everyone kind of it, they have their own unique personality. They serve a purpose. So kind of like it, it kind of harkens back to the thing for me where you had that like group mm-hmm. of like those twelve men and like each mm-hmm. one of them was someone like a, like a character that you knew. Um, yeah, and it's just it's it's the same thing here. And, uh, and yeah, they weren't fucking getting any work done. And maybe that's just because the scenes that we were seeing were like, okay, let's go for lunch. And it's just like, you just started for the day, but nobody was. Or then, (laughs) and Mike kept, I kept wondering, like, the first time Mike sat down with those session tapes and started to play them, I was like, it looked like it was daylight. I couldn't tell if that was just really harsh fluorescent light, but it looked like it was daylight. So I'm like, okay, so is it the end of the workday, but it's still really, really light outside or... Is or is he on his? Is he watching these on his lunch? It seems like he is, yeah. but I well, mean, if he's going to get through all of these, and we're going to get to session nine, like, yeah. Well, geez. he's not watching them; he's listening to them. They're not uh, video. Oh, that, I'm sorry, not watching they're, them, they're, listening. They're so, audio tapes, but uh, no, yeah. he found them uh, during the like the first day because I think the the power breaker was out, so he was following the cable, and then he found the right, room, and right. the box fell down, and he opened the box, and he took them out. Um, and it paused on it, but then he, they left for the day and then he came back on his own and just sat there and was listening to them that by the next time we see him where he's actually now at work and he's just kind of fucked off. Like he's actually just like taken all these, um, these breaks, uh, these unauthorized breaks to go and like keep listening to them, but he's already up to session five by that point. Um, so yeah, again, it's just like, well, he's not doing any work. And, uh, (laughs) and then we know what happens to Hank, uh, after day two. So it's Mm. really like, it comes to a point. It's just like, is Jeff like the nephew who's kind of like the the trainee? Is he the only one doing anything? And he has no fucking idea what he's doing. Um, And he's the one that they're the most worried about. Like, you know, (laughs) you're arguing like, you think he's going to be any good at like what he does? Yeah. He's going to be fine. I don't know. I don't know if I can trust him says, uh, 
uh, Phil, David Caruso's character. Well, is that the to be... is that the conversation that happened at like more towards the end? Because that seemed like it was just sort of like a convenient cover. There was a the, no, yeah, that was a cover. But there was another yeah. one they were having a little earlier when Phil, because Phil didn't seem to like really any of the decisions that Gordon yeah. was making. Gordon, our our he, kind of facsimile protagonist. Yeah. So um, so Phil is played by David Caruso. Who famously, I mean, I guess he was on NYPD Blue for a long time, but I think most people uh, would recognize him as um, Horatio from CSI Miami. Um, And his his shtick on that show was... Mm -hmm. There'd be like the opening scene, like they'd they'd come upon the the crime scene and he was sort of like the the guy in charge. And... Mm -hmm. It was Miami, so everything is cool and sexy, and he would always wear sunglasses, and he'd have his sunglasses on, but then he would mm. say, he'd start saying something, it was sort of like his one-liner every episode, and then he would have the mm. dramatic pause, and he would take his sunglasses off, and then he would say the rest of it, and then put them back on, and then it would like, bow, 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 as it like went into the, oh, the crowd. No. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's so interesting to see him in movies, because I don't... I don't know if he's done a whole lot of movies in his career. Like, he's mostly the, done TV. The only other one that I know of, uh, just by reputation, I've never seen it, is the thriller, I believe, called Jade, which I think was oh, okay. a bomb. But it's kind of notorious yeah. as, like, the uh, uh, oh, a, a last-standing kind of, like, stab at the kind of... Uh, pseudo-sexual, you know, like, crime thriller, kind of like, you know, in the vein of Basic Instinct or... So this is uh, 90s? Body of Evidence and stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah. or, or like, a holdover from the 90s. Like, it was already out of fashion by the time they started making it, and that's why it didn't do well. Well, he would have done um, this before CSI Miami. So this is, I mean, he... Um, you know, if this movie had come out any later and he'd already been on that show, mm-hmm. like he would have been too expensive to be in, in this. But I think he's great. I, I I I get such a kick out of out of watching him because he's like his performance is just like there's there's like a creepiness to it, but like also kind of like mm. an affability. Like he seems like, you know, like you know, you could be you could go either way with him, you know? I couldn't quite get a read on him because I couldn't tell whether he was being irrational or whether he was the other side of Gordon's irrationality and he was the one who was actually the rational part, but yeah. was so kind of like overcome with worry like and trying to overcompensate the way you do if you've ever been in any kind of like codependent work relationship or even just a relationship where you're always kind of like trying to prevent the, the, the destruction in the wake of the, the other person. And I couldn't, and I couldn't tell for a long time. That was one thing I liked about the movie was it kind of kept, kept me guessing in terms of obviously something is afoot, you know, something's wrong somewhere, (laughs) but what is it and why? And, um, I uh, and, and just uh, uh, on a David Caruso note, like, yeah, I haven't been had exposure to him. I've never seen CSI of Miami, but I was on it. Uh, as a background uh, actor for a lot of uh, episodes. Oh, okay. I used to shoot down in Manhattan Beach, and I remember driving all the way down there. And um, they always wanted you to wear pastels and, ba- you know, like neutrals, beiges and things like that, because that Miami, way you look yeah. like, you know, you're Miami. Yeah. And I remember seeing him, and I remember he was like, you know, still, I remember he was notorious on NYPD Blue for being like some kind of heartthrob. And uh, I didn't really get it then, and then I saw him in person, and then I really didn't get it. Yeah. But the work, <laughs> I think he's like a heartthrob <laughs> for like 
The thinking Bo- woman? Like boomer mothers, you know? <laughs> like it's just sure. like I guess like your grandmothers now. Like they, they'd be like, oh my god, David Caruso. Like I mean, like, it's, he's not swoon. an unattractive fellow, but but I remember seeing him in person and just being kind of like, yep, no, no. But um, yeah. but on screen, no, he's like, not the work he, there. Like he, yeah. Well, no, I was just gonna say he's he's not like a treasure in like the gay community or anything. Like nobody's no. nobody's uh, chasing after that. But uh, he, <laughs> I, I was. No, 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 I was shocked because I was looking up his his uh, filmography, mm-hmm. and I guess that once yeah. CSI Miami ended, whenever that was, I, I, I could mm-hmm. probably like sometime in like maybe the early 2010s, um, he just quit acting. He doesn't act anymore. That was his last oh role. Um, so I think now oh. he's just like uh, whether he's retired or he's like working in like art or something. I was started to read something i'm like eh, i don't care that much okay yeah network tv money is serious business oh he he's set for life that. yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely but as long I, as he doesn't develop any addictions or anything like that yeah. he'll do just fine but yeah everything you described about the character um it, it that was intentional obviously because i mean there's there's a lot of red herrings in this movie and i think that he's probably oh, yeah. the big he's like the cotton weary of uh mm-hmm. <laughs> session nine if we could if we can make a scream comparison um yeah. but uh no the line that i was referencing uh for your opening that you didn't do is when they're in yes. the stairwell and they and they realize like hank is still here and they kind of split up because they're just like you go that way you go that way and he's just like yeah. hey and Gordon turns around and it does this like dramatic push in on his face. And he's like, fuck yeah. you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because it takes you completely out of the movie, but it's so camp that it works. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was strange now that you say it. Yes, of course. But I think yeah. maybe it the night was winding down and I was probably too tired for it to really register. Now I'll never forget it. Thank you. <laughs> if I ever want to remember a line, yeah. you, you, uh, replaying it for me, yeah. <laughs> literally <laughs> playing playing it out for me. Uh, I, I appreciate. Um, as far as though the, um, it's funny because I don't think I've ever seen the actor who plays Gordon before in anything either. Uh, his name is uh, I have to scroll down. Peter, I think it's Mullen or M- Mulan. I don't know. M U L L A N. He's Scottish, so I assume it's Mullen or or Mulan. I don't I don't know. Okay, but Gordon. Yeah. Never seen him before in anything else. And oh my God, the tension. I remember just kind of like uh, witnessing him. And and again, he. I'm sure in addition to any kind of like, you know, tidbits of like, you know, work relationships or anything like that. In addition to that, the reason he was cast is because like he registers um, a kind of bereft loss <laughs> on his face effortlessly. Anytime he just kind of drifted off, even like um, it happened pretty early uh, in the movie. I think it was, you'll have to remind me. I think it was the second shot of the movie because the first one, I just remember it was black and some noises, some weird ambient noises came up that actually kind of reminded me of the opening of Exorcist. Not not in the sense that like it was the same instrument because it's obviously strings in the Exorcist and this felt yeah. much more metallic and and just kind of I don't know, just clangy and 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 but taut, like yeah. something te- again, tension. It just made me uncomfortable. I was like, "Oh, this might be a really really good movie." Um, cuz already I can feel myself cringing. And then the the opening shot um before I move on to uh Gordon, 
I remember thinking another hook because it's that upside down shot of the chair in the uh, that yeah. hall. Yeah, down the hallway. And I remember just immediately thinking um, th- this question that I would always ask myself in film school. If you were going to create visual interest, how would you start? And it's like the answer is usually a que- by introducing a question. And I love that immediately seeing the uh, kind of tableau of this chair, you know, upside down, I, I immediately started wondering, oh, is that, is it supposed to be upside down or, or is the shot up? And then the shot started to twist and turn, you know, to right itself basically. Yeah. So it was right side up. And I was just kind of like, oh, you've got me. God, I'm already kind of like going, what? Like just, uh, you know, on instinct. And then the next thing, I don't think you even really see his face, but it's just kind of Gordon in his car. Is this right? With uh, Phil. Yeah. And he's just, and it's just, there's, and and you, I, I noticed little things like, and I, I, I immediately had to turn on the subtitles oh, <laughs> because they were speaking so low. I blasted the sound just mm-hmm. so I could hear it. And it was late, but it, I was just like, I need to hear them. And then even then, they were still kind of talking like, and so okay, I need to turn on subtitles. Yeah. Turn on subtitles. Watch them all the way through. Big help. But um, they were talking. I could tell that they were talking about like something about the the baby and Wendy, who was obviously the wife or it's certainly the mother. Shining, and I was just kind of uh, like illusion. Exactly, yeah. Wendy. I thought that, and then um, I saw, but I even seen like I think there were baby wipes on the dashboard or something like that in Phil's uh, uh shot, and um. And I was just kind of like, okay, so we're, we're, we're sprinkling clues. This is, this is captivating, but the double parked nature of Gordon from the get go, he seemed to be haunted by something. And it didn't occur to me for a while. It did eventually. I did have the thought, yeah. uh, that what was going down might have gone down. But in that first shot, all I could think was, what is wrong? Like, is it? Yeah. Your home life, or is it something else? Like some, but something's definitely yeah. registering here. And again, so, just with me, the characters. That's the let hook, me you know, let me just me. Uh, put a, a a pause on that for a second um, because yeah. I think that we're gonna be di- talking about spoilers here. Um, so if you yeah. haven't seen the movie, like please uh, do yourself a favor, yeah. go see. It. I mean, if you're if you're a collector of physical media, like and you're you do blind buys and stuff, because I've done a lot of that, and you know sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, it's it's great, and and you know sometimes it hurts instead. But um, <laughs> it, see it and buy it, you know, if you have to, or look for it streaming uh, if that's your thing. But um, yeah. yeah, the so so it's Gordon. Gordon is the the haunted one. Gordon is the one who murders everyone and and has his family. Um, so I wanted to ask you because you just kind of brought up an interesting yeah. thing. So did you interpret the that as like he had already murdered his family before the start of the movie, because my interpretation of that was that it wasn't until he had gone home that night because he had the, um, the groceries. And these are, this is kind Uh of a visual clue throughout the movie because we, when we see him after they get the job and he goes home and he's got the bag uh, like it's got the the Jif peanut butter. It's got the flowers for the wife, and those sure. are things that we see around the hospital later on in right. in the movie to kind of like clue us in that it's just like what is like that was in his grocery bag. We should know that it, it's him who's right. who's fucking with shit. Um, so yeah, I what 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 is your your interpretation of that? 
Well, that um, I didn't even think about because um, I because I, I didn't start guessing. I, I remember it. I think it was. I, I'm trying to see if in my notes I wrote it down. I was probably too crazy uh, to write it down. Um, but if I find it, I'll, I'll let you know. But there, yeah, there was some point. I think it was very late after the movie. But let's say the first two acts of the movie. Um, at a certain point, um, I was just kind of like. It, it 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 entertaining the notion like okay is Wendy even alive anymore like did you off your wife and your kid buddy or it, you know like what what like uh, like that it it happened before the reveal probably a handful of scenes before the reveal um, now in retrospect it's it's hard to kind of like you know just go off of memory here but I'd say in retrospect yeah it seemed like. I don't even know if I have an answer for that because I'm trying to I'd really just have to like put together like a chart because honestly uh it all because wait he no it that would have been before so he was obviously troubled by something yeah carrying something before that obviously because people don't just snap but um they're you know I mean that's kind of the that's the that's the that's the the mystery of the movie like people do um because that's that's kind of like by the end what it's what it what it's telling us. So, but without but without I mean again like is it without any kind without of provocation like, or yeah, yeah or any or even any kind of red flags or is it just something that people don't take seriously until it's too late? I feel like that's mm-hmm. that might be a question that the movie posits. But um, but because he he didn't he say he brought all of that home to celebrate celebrate the prospect of having the new job, but then what is he so? I mean, I guess was it, okay. So did I? Because I, I, I have so many questions for you, Zach. Okay, <laughs> especially now that I know how much you you dig this film. Okay, I'm sure you've probably thought about all, all of this. So okay, it seemed that he really needed this job. He said as much. I need the job. I really need the job. You know, and <laughs> and, and so much so that he was lowballing and lowballing and lowballing and 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 changing. The deadline and and pushing it, you know, crunching it, crunching it, crunching it because yeah. he really needs the well, job. Well, they started at like, three. Is it because uh, yeah. Phil was just like, this is a three week job, and then when they got yeah. outside, they're just like, or he said, he's just like, we can do it in two, and then when Phil went back inside, he's just like, we'll do it in one, we'll do it in one. Like he just right. between him and uh, actually the other guy, I forget the actor's name, like the I guess the the owner of the building or whatever, but he he was also on CSI, the Vegas one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Paul he's, Gilfoyle? Yeah. He's he's like a like okay. a big time character actor. Like he he was in a lot of stuff. Um he so it's familiar just, again. Yeah, so it's just like interesting, like just again, like the, the cast of this movie is great. Um Oh god. Yeah. Like we'll we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um but um in terms of um okay, so it's the sequence of events to me seemed that like something was already kind of like uncoiling in his mind and but he had these needs. He had the, you know, all these pressures of like the new baby and the sickness and and the home and being responsible and having to support all of that. And then he got the job, even though he made himself out to be an incredibly desperate person to try and get it. And it didn't seem like the 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 goals he set for himself and the wages he was because he was matching some other competitor's price too. Finally, was his was his final offer as far as the money was concerned, and getting it done in like a third of the time. But so he just kind of made more headaches for himself, more more reason to agitate, like whatever it was that was already, you know, kind of snowballing in his mind. Mm-hmm. And then he bought all that stuff 
the flowers and the this and the that to go home, saw the pot boiling, saw his wife and baby, went in and kind of, I guess, everything went black, yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing. Well, the Dissociative disorder, is that what he's got? It kind like, of, I mean, I kind of spelled it out for you at the end because there was kind of like the... Uh, right. The yeah. voiceover of all that. Uh, so it's he went home because he had brought the flowers for her, all that stuff. And by the way, the voice of the the wife was absolutely not the voice. That was not the woman who played the wife. Yeah, it didn't, that, it, like, it, it didn't it, sound like her. It, it, no. There was a disconnect there. It's just like that's not her. <laughs> that's not her voice. But she, <laughs> it's yeah. Not her. But um, <laughs> yeah. I guess there was the 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 pot of. Uh, water on on the stove yeah. and that got knocked yeah. over i guess while he was, scalded him yeah and then he hit her and i think that just yeah. kind of like snowballed this thing where he he murdered her and then he murdered the dog and then he murdered yeah. the baby God. so it's just like a like and a the, blinding rage and we don't see any of this but we hear it and yeah. that was even more chilling like i mean again like the, the way this uh, uh, movie plays with sound. Um, oh, it's you start, yeah. I mean, it starts from the get go. I mentioned like just the opening. I don't know strings, keys, whatever. What, the strikes well, the, <laughs> of whatever the, um, the plucks. The score <laughs> is by. They're called the Climax Golden Twins. Wow. Yeah. Okay. For I don't. I don't know what else. What a done. name. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> that's, the, that's their thing. That's and that, this seems like the probably the biggest thing that they've worked on. Um, oh, okay. But Good for them. No, absolutely. I, I think that the the most effective thing for me is the the tapes themselves and yeah. the the voices that we hear on them. Like the, even mm. the the doctor who's talking is like creepy in his own right. And I always thought that that yes. was David Caruso's voice. First, like when mm. I way back when I first saw it, because um, mm. he has a similar kind of sounding voice like that. Um, but just the, there's everything about that, like the the reels moving. Every there's just sort of like the the score of just like the the keys, the ding ding, yeah. however they do that. And yeah. even there's a part towards the end. I guess it's the reveal. It kind of does this like circusy music. Do you know? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, which was very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> But it's definitely so, okay, so, it's, it's definitely because even the the scene when Mike, who's yeah. he, like he knows every Mike knows everything, and he's telling the yeah. others about the history of the the hospital, and it's doing this thing. We're not seeing them. It's kind of like closing on these like shots of just insect life around the grounds yeah. and focusing on that, and it's sort of like this juxtaposition of just sort of like this tranquility. Uh, matched against just like this story that he's telling about this patient. Oh, yeah. um, I forget her name, but she was sort of like I guess the Patricia re- Willard, the Patricia Pr- Willard scandal of which, 1984, which yeah. is based on a true story, uh, ah! a- apparently. Which, oh. yeah, the whole the whole idea was that like this is that's how these uh, institutions got closed down, um, mm-hmm. and that she had sued her family because they had apparently had. She alleged that they had sexually assaulted her, like they like in like this ritualistic style of like going into her room with like yeah. robes and performing like satanic rituals and like impregnating her, Orgies and then like and stuff, yeah, yeah, and then and then like aborting the the baby and then doing weird things with with the fetuses, and then apparently yeah. that it was just like they sued 
per and they sued the hospital. I don't know what it was because it was just it was all fabricated. Um, but that's yeah. that's just the beauty of this this movie is just like all that you were talking about the dialogue at the beginning, um, because yeah. every there is no wasted moment here. Like everything that is being said um, either sets up who these characters are, sets up the story, or sets up the the tone and the atmosphere. And, yeah. and and that is all to do with the sound. I mean, like, the cinematography of this movie is also outstanding, uh, yeah, even yeah. considering the, the budget of this, because uh, it's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's kind of cheap, but, you know, with what they have at their, uh, 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 what they have to work with here, they do a really great mm-hmm. job of it. Yeah, it's, it's quintessential indie filmmaking in that you have to kind of, like, use... Uh, use the instruments you know the tools at your disposal to enhance the storytelling and you and when you don't have a big budget you have to get creative about that you have to think about you know i mean it's not like the people with a budget don't think about things like that but you have to get a little bit more inventive with how you achieve those kinds of things because you can't kind of just throw money at the problem you know and also (laughs) clock is probably always ticking but um it was it was funny also because uh, just to touch on like you 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 mentioning the Patricia Willard scandal, um, this was released a year after because the only we've we've mentioned this particular thing uh, on the pod before when we discussed Alicia Witt and my history with her and the same thing that Patricia Willard had which was repressed memory therapy is what Alicia Witt had in Cecil B. Demented which was released a year before this where she was you know kind of like convinced by her therapist that her entire family assaulted her under the Christmas tree (laughs) and um, it was just funny to think line from that movie that you always quote you think that's funny? But uh, <laughs> no, there's another one like, oh, oh, Santa, why, why hast thou forsaken me? I <laughs> cried. I mean, she's got so many, but <laughs> it's like someone's anyway, taking uh, these urban legends and making them a reality. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, she should have been Wendy. But <laughs> no, but I mean, it's funny because I hadn't heard repressed memory therapy. That's just a terminology that doesn't get used anymore because it was yeah. largely. Uh, kind of like, you know, dismissed and disposed with because a lot of people recognized it for the nonsense that it was after that particular period. And even while it was going on, a lot of people were like, that's bullshit. And more, pe- the more people came forward, you know, after these sessions, ah, sessions with, <laughs> you know, their repressed memory hip- hypnotists or therapists or whatever, um, the more they would just get kind of, uh, 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 uh you know, just like, uh, exposed, shall we say, as, you know, just made up entirely. So it, it, it does seem like already now that it's been two decades, kind of like uh, a thing of a bygone era. So that was something that made me chuckle. I was just kind of like, oh, this is 20 years old. Um, <laughs> um, but because they also, there were so many terms that I, I just kept writing them down because I was just fascinated. Some of them I hadn't heard before, like satanic ritual abuse syndrome. That's a thing? Or is that something they invented for the movie? I'd be so curious because that was the thing that she accused like her parents and family basically of doing to her in yeah. this in the story. And then it turns out, you know, like all of it wasn't true. So I'm like, well then is 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 that a real thing? But um bringing up Mike, um one thing that uh I got pretty early from Mike was he for a while was my way in with this group because I, I didn't immediately cotton to 
everybody in the group right off the bat. I was much more, and there was something really authentic about that because the dynamic, like once you get introduced to one person after the other, it felt like when you basically meet like a friend group, but kind of like one person at a time <laughs> or maybe two people at a time. And you just kind of like get your first impressions and then you just observe and you just kind of like watch their dynamic with the rest of the group and do, you know, all the, the headcanon work you know, which I'm totally primed for. Right. But Mike was the one who seemed like kind of like the most dependable in the beginning before he started taking all the time off to go listen to the tapes. Yeah. <laughs> and But just there to get the job done and seemed to even entertain everyone telling fucked up stories. And I was just kind of like, that's probably the guy who I'd want in my crew if I was going to have any of these people. Yeah, he seems I th- the least petty about you know anything, or the least haunted. Well, you know, I mean, I wasn't that wasn't really like why I was drawn towards him because I think that he's also uh, my favorite, or like at least my way into it. Uh, it's more just because he is sort of he's the investigator. He's the one who mm. is like hit following him. It's just like that's where you get all the discovery uh, mm-hmm. with with the tapes with his. Um, um, his his monologues and and speeches and yeah. that and just like and just having these conversations with the other characters and like getting to know Jeff and just like you know talking about the history of of uh, Hank and Phil's troubled relationship and, yeah. and all that so he was just he he it just kind of made him inherently the most interesting character because of that mm. because he was the one that was kind of pushing the story forward everyone else was just sort of yeah. doing their job and being creepy but like he mm-hmm. was the one that we were kind of seeing things through until a point yeah. uh the the actor who plays him uh Stephen yeah. G- Givadon so he's the writer or he's the co-writer of the movie uh, he wrote it with Brad Anderson who's uh, directed it and the the conception for this movie was that uh, uh, I guess Brad uh, had driven past the the Danvers State Hospital uh, to go to work uh, so many times, and it was just like this you know abandoned hospital, and he was just like fascinated by it, um, and was just thinking like we could like set a movie there. They didn't have a premise for it, but it was just sort of like this would be a great location. Uh, like a great found location to just to make a movie in. And I guess that they had met up with uh, some of those, you know, those like crews of people that would go around to like haunted locations and film yeah. things. So they like, they went yeah. with them to go to go into this uh, abandoned hospital just to kind of get acquainted with it. And eventually got the idea because a lot of what they have there, I mean, they, that was the kind of the beauty of of making this is they didn't have to put a lot into set design because the hospital was as it was like there was a lot of like the that those rooms where there was like paper and stuff on the walls like yeah, a lot of that was yeah. already there um so yeah. from from like going in there and seeing that that was kind of his way into the story the graveyard in the yeah. back I, that was those were fake uh, there, okay. there's, there's no, there's the numbers. Yeah. That I, I believe that was uh, all fabricated, but, um, okay. yeah, it just, it, it was just one of those things where just like, okay, you find a location, base a story around that. And then the, the, the story kind of tells itself to you, uh, I would think as a, as a writer. And that's, that's kind of how they, they came up with this idea. Mm-hmm. It was also, um, uh, just to get back to, uh, 
Mike, as far as like uh, one more interesting thing uh, about him as a character in retrospect, I didn't know this going in, but because for all intents and purposes, that man, (laughs) (laughs) when he reaches for that evidence box and starts to unpack the tapes of sessions one through nine, and I was just kind of going, what are you doing? Uh, (laughs) He's basically like, if we were in an evil dead movie, he's the one who is like playing like, you know, the, 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 the tape and uh, unpacking the Necronomicon and reading shit that he shouldn't be and everything like that. So the, but the fact like knowing what I know about him, knowing that like he was, you know, attempted to be a lawyer and that he was even kind of like fancying going back. I couldn't help but think, uh, cause I did think about this movie today periodically yeah. it just kept recurring to me which is good i love that but mm-hmm. it, it, one thing that occurred to me was just is that the lawyer in him like the part who's just kind of like fascinated by put picking up as much of the quote-unquote evidence as he can and trying to like figure something out in a way that he can because I, I can't remember if they made it clear whether he was a defense attorney or uh, a persecutor but either way you have yeah. to like kind of look at a case from every angle and yeah. he seemed to be also after the uh the patricia willard story and even um what was the other one that he told uh the oh because he was the one who explained the frontal lobe lobotomy right, right. yeah <laughs> so i mean his attention to detail and process um just kind of made him, I think, like a student of nature that I found. That was another thing that made him compelling to me. And again, I didn't know it from the onset. I got a good vibe from him just as a guy. And then the more I got exposed to that character, the more I was just kind of like, I don't think I would do yeah. a lot of what you're doing right now, but I'm fascinated watching you be fascinated yeah. by what's transpiring. <sighs> it's <laughs> a shame what happened that. to him, though. Um, I know. <laughs> that was always kind of like the first time I saw it, too. That was sort of because he was the way into the movie for me. That I thought that he yeah. was at least going to be, if there was like a final uh, person or a final boy, oh, if you will, I that just like hoped. it was going to be him. And it just sort of, and it was, it's interesting that kind of like by the end of the movie, he um, restores the power and then the the tapes start playing on their own. Like the, the last session, the end of yeah. session nine starts playing and he never gets to hear it because he's. No. promptly murdered after that but we get to yeah. hear the rest of it and it and it also it's just like adds another layer of just sort of like the disappointment not like of the movie but just like for, for his fate because it's just like this was what he was so curious about and he never got to hear the rest of it yeah. um but that yeah. your your um comparison to the evil dead is so interesting <laughs> to me because <laughs> i mean that's obviously that's not what awakens anything but um and I, I feel like you've already kind of answered this question, but I did want to uh, just bring it up anyway. Uh, do you think that Gordon was like overcome with this this spirit or entity or uh, when he stepped foot in the hospital or if it was just something by like how it suggests at the end of the movie is that uh, Simon uh, uh, lives in the weak and the wounded? Because we have I a mean, scene at the beginning right. when he's when he first yeah. looks down the hallway and sees the chair, and then you hear right. that that vo- the voice of Simon. He's just like, "Hello, Gordon." Um, yeah, but it's almost like that's that's the moment that sort of like a, a possession would have occurred if it was a possession thing. Sure, I had to wonder though if because I mean he seemed to be so. Uh, 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 
uh, uh, it, it, like almost engulfed, you know, or <laughs> yeah. immersed in the walls. When he was looking at the clippings, there was an odd sense. I couldn't, I couldn't tell, but I felt like I was reading familiarity, and it made me wonder: Has he been in here before? As that would be a very shining. Uh, right, but well, <laughs> well, I don't mean in some other life, but I mean yeah. like literally, like maybe as a boy or something like that. Because another thing, when they're being walked around and kind of shown the grounds, when we get to hear about like you know this place is a bat and all that kind of things, you know, yeah. here's the here's the wing and that's where the men go, and here's the other wing and that's where the women go, and the body is the center, and just keep that in your mind whenever you're tracking around. But um. Uh, which was also very shining to me. Everything about the way it was mapped out for them. I, that was the first time I was just kind of like, oh, it's like The Shining. The Overlook Hotel. Um, yeah. I'm learning about the Overlook Hotel, yeah. But um, I couldn't help but, I, now, now that you're asking me that, I also can't help but wonder if um, the, the the illusion that uh, that man makes to them uh, while he's giving them the layout of the place, he talks about the fact that there were like half a dozen uh, people who returned after the hospital closed in 1985 who were just squatting. They came like last spring yeah. and they were just, and he says, that's what people do. They come back and it made me wonder, are they laying like in retrospect, like at the end of it, just like, are they laying the groundwork for like Gordon was here before and he came back because that's what you do when you stay inside of oh, this okay. facility. You know, okay. I, so I wondered if maybe that was it. And if maybe there is something that is kind of like, you know, the, Pers- the, the evil personified in this mm. movie in Simon. Like maybe it's not necessarily called Simon in everyone, yeah. but maybe that's what they're alluding well, to, but also that he was beckoned back personally. Yeah. I mean, I thought when you first suggested that, that maybe he was like the reincarnation of, of Mary Shaw. And I don't think the timeline adds up there because it's no, like I don't from, because so that was like taking place in, like they said 22 years ago, like on the tapes, but that seemed, I mean, you could probably, Go back into the movie and watch, see like the photographs and the evidence. There's probably a year sure. um, of whatever happened in Lowell, Massachusetts, um, right, 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 <laughs> uh, on on Christmas of of when that happened. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't personally think that it's like a possession type of thing. And I actually, and I think that that's kind of hokey. I think like that's just like every movie. It's just like the spirits yeah. in in this haunted hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I don't necessarily think that the hospital is haunted in that sense, but maybe there's just like, there's no. energy there that kind of uh, brings out things that are in people because by the end of the movie, what's very clear to me uh, because there's the, the, this sort of this dissociative thing. And like when he's listening to the, the Mary, uh, is it Hobbes? Uh, uh, or Shaw. Yes. I'm thinking Hobbes Mary Shaw. Mary Hobbes. Because <laughs> for <some> <laughs> <laughs> You and your Fast and the Furious. Sorry, what? Anyway, yes, what, it's Mary Hobbes. Mary Hobbes, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Or Mary Shaw was like the, the, the what's no, that puppet movie no. with the... <laughs> The puppet movie, the the the, the puppet, the dead silence, the James Wan one. Remember, it's just oh, like you wear the the stare of Mary Shaw. Uh, I don't, know. I don't, I I don't remember that. Movie. Yeah, okay, whatever. People know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so Mary Hobbs. I I, I, I yeah. yeah. There you go. Mary Hobbs. <laughs> okay, yeah, because you have there's the the dissociative uh, personality, so, uh, princess who, as they say, like lives in the tongue because she talks a lot. Yeah. Uh, Billy mm-hmm. is the, uh, he lives in the eyes because he sees yes. everything and right. uh, Simon lives in the weak 
and the wounded. Um, and the way that it's kind of by the end of it, it just sort of, uh, like posits this, this, uh, question of just like that, you know, was it a possession or was it, is it just like, does it exist in people? It's just like, it just happens to anyone. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, if you are weak and wounded, that Mm -hmm. all of us have that kind of in us that could potentially push us over to 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 this right. point but there's also in the movie as you see at the by the reveal at the end it's almost like gordon is sleepwalking when they do the flashback mm. of like when hank uh walks into him so it's almost like he's not even in control of his body at that point so it does yeah. it does beg the question like is it a possession and it's sort it's sort of this like ambiguity that i find so fascinating because it doesn't like outright tell you what's going on here and it does leave it up to your imagination um so yeah what did you think of that well because it also made me think like uh, like it's a red herring but it's also kind of like an atmospheric precursor that we're setting with mary hobbs because if she the 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 suspicion i get is that she and i think maybe on one of her files it said something to this effect that she's suffering from dissociative identity disorder and i feel like the reason the only reason she's there in addition to just kind of like how fucking creepy those tapes are (laughs) to sit there and listen to like they really keep us going you know whenever you know the things aren't really quite happening in the group or yeah. when it can parallel things that are happening in the group and just punctuate them. But in addition to that, I feel like it's, it, she's kind of there to set up almost a parallel with Gordon. Like maybe like Gordon is like a first act, Mary Hobbs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and this is just kind of like the, the, the prologue, you know, if he, if he were to like survive and go on and, you know, just kind of like exist in the world. But um, so, I mean, meaning that he, probably also suffers from a dissociative identity disorder with also something that incites him to blackouts and violence and, you know, things like that. Who knows why I'd love to see the movie again and see, because again, his friends say a lot about him, especially when they're kind of like, I think it's like when they're all kind of explaining him to Jeff. And at one point, I can't even remember who it is. Mike. Who basically says, that he was, maybe oh, was where Hank. did I write it down? Maybe no, it, was, it was Hank. It was Hank. Uh, yeah, maybe. Because yeah. he was talking yeah, about Yeah, says something Mike. to the effect that, like, he was the uh, Zen master of calm, is what he calls him. That like So, I mean, the, the, even though the vibe that I don't get from Gordon from the beginning is that this is a very together, peaceful Zen man. Yeah. Uh, that's the way his friends see him. But I, I and I would love to know also know like okay are there traces of like what <clears throat> kick started this because I don't think it was the like obviously the moment when he's in the car looking at his wife and his child in the boiling pot and everything that we keep returning to yeah. is the moment that like kick started the action but I'm wondering what kind of like started his inner. Uh, 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 unfurling, you know, like this, yeah. this, the, the, this stripping away of, or of peace and Zen. Like, and I, because I mean, if, because again, he seemed very haunted just sitting in the car before he even set foot on the ground. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I don't feel like the movie's totally positing that like the place did it and he, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's much more. He just yeah, was like, in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, it's definitely you know like I mean? a, like a, a, an internalized uh, thing there. But actually, the um, 
another thing that kind of like inspired the story is that I, I guess there was a, um, a, a murder that had occurred uh, shortly before they wrote the script or maybe a few years, uh, which was about a husband who, who had murdered his wife because she overcooked the pasta. Um, so that kind of uh, uh, segued into that, but I mean, if I if I may, um, yeah. I, I I do have a, a true crime story oh that I would that I would Please. I would like to tell, and I <clears throat> I understand that this is not a true crime podcast because um, uh, we we just discuss horror movies, but I I, I felt particularly um drawn to the story because I had I had uh, known about it for for some time and when I watched the movie again in at the beginning of the month it made me think of this um so if if anyone is um you know turned off uh by these things I would say like maybe skip forward five minutes because this is a, like a pretty dark gruesome story um and I don't want to upset anyone um so that's so that's so that's your warning. So this um, this occurred in Calgary, which is where I live. Uh, this happened in 2008. Uh, a man, uh, and I'll give you his name, uh, Joshua Lal, or Lal, uh, who was a father, I think he was like in his 30s, maybe 30, 35. Uh, uh, he uh, lived with his, his wife, Allison, their three children, uh, uh, all daughters, uh, Kristen, five, Rochelle, three, and then uh, Anna, the baby, who was one. And they also had a tenant who lived downstairs who was a journalist student. Uh, I don't know her name right off the bat, but... Uh, uh, he, he worked in an architecture firm. He was, uh, as, as far as anyone, uh, knew, just like, you know, a very friendly, uh, like hardworking, uh, man, loved his family. The, like, they just mm-hmm. had their new baby that he would bring into work and, and, and show the baby off to everyone and just, you know, like all their friends and family and neighbors just like knew them. As, and him especially is just like this like bright shining beacon of light, um, just like yeah. wonderful people in um, like suburban Calgary here. Um, okay. And one day he, I mean, he essentially just snapped and he murdered. Mm. Uh, he, he started with the downstairs tenant uh the uh the the woman that lived there um uh and then after that he proceeded to go upstairs and he uh murdered his wife and the two uh uh the the five and the three year olds uh which mm-hmm. like apparently like sh- the 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 mother had defensive wounds to just so the they knew that like oh. she died protecting them and oh. then he went into the baby's room and he killed himself and didn't didn't harm the baby. He just killed himself right then and there. And it wasn't until the next day that I, I don't know if it was a friend or a neighbor who came to check on them, uh, came uh. in and discovered that and just found like the baby uh, alive and just like all oh, this like murder yeah. everywhere. And yeah. there was no, no note, no suicide note, no, no drugs or alcohol, no signs of anything like this was just like everybody was in shock that like like people at work 
like family, friends. There was like, these were like the last people they would expect. Like he was the last person that they would expect that that would ever happen to. Uh, to. Yeah. And um, I guess what he had done was he had called uh, into work or like he on, on like Friday because this, I believe this happened on a Tuesday. He, like he called uh, or told them on Friday that he was taking a sick day on Monday. Uh, and then he, at, at that point, he then said, I'm going to take the rest of the week off. Um, so, I mean, there's a possibility that it was premeditated in, in that regard. But he was also, right. like, while he was working at, at this architecture firm, he I guess he was also still studying architecture because I guess he wasn't, like, a full-fledged architect. So he was he, doing all these exams, uh, and I guess there was, like, just, like, insurmountable pressure on him from from taking these. And it just, like, that is one thing that, like, you know, connected me to this story of Gordon. Um, yeah. so no, like nobody knows for sure his parents, he called them, they lived, uh, or they, they live in Ontario. Um, and he had said to them, like, uh, like he's going through something. He really needs them to come out there. Um, he had told his father that he was possessed by the devil or he thought that he was possessed oh, by the God. devil. And oh, they, they're like, okay, we're coming out there. And I guess they like they had missed them by a day because, uh, like, they, they didn't get oh, there until, until after God. that point. Um, but it was... It, it, it's just one of those things that was, like, completely unexplainable to yeah. anyone. And, like, up until that time, it was just, like, the biggest, I guess, like, multiple murder, however you would describe it, or homicide uh, in the city. And it was just one of those things that just like shocked everyone. And there's, it's it's really hard to find any information about this this case because it was very like open and closed because it's just like the forensics are just like okay, this is what happened. Um, right. But there's really uh, like I I was trying to find like look stuff up about it, and it's just like, like there's nothing out there at all. And I just like and you know I'm saying this and like obviously like uh, my heart goes out to. The, like the people, like the, the daughter who's probably like a teenager now, um, who oh, I'm assuming is, God. is like living with relatives or at least that's, that's what it said. Um, so it's just like, that's an oh. awful thing to like have on your, your psyche, just like that, like knowing that you were there in that situation. And, and I don't know if like in like everything that he was doing, it was just one of these situations, like these session nine Gordon situations where he, was overcome by this that he would that he like murdered his family and the downstairs tenant yeah. his like family who he loved and it was just got to a point where he went to kill the baby and was like able to like overpower that in some way and just being like no i'm i'm not going to do that because obviously gordon doesn't kill himself in the movie no. he 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 kills the baby uh, in the movie, but he's he's sort of just like left there with everything that he's done, and it's just like the kind of like you need to wake yeah. up and realize that this is everything that you've done, and it might have just been a situation where he just like had uh, psychologically fought that whatever was going on in his head uh, or his body, and just like ended it right there. But it's just like it's just one of those cases that just like it's just shrouded in mystery. There's not a lot of information out of, out there about it because it was it affected people so deeply, um, like in the yeah. community and like the neighbors and everything and like and the and the first responders and all that. Um, so it's just like it's really, 
it's it's just one of those like true crime stories that's so like tragic but it's so interesting to me because it's just like there's so many questions and and, yeah. and we'll never get the answers to them no, and we have a way out with Session 9, I think, in terms of its ambiguity, because while neither you or I believe that this was um, an Overlook Hotel kind of situation or an Amityville, you know, kind of situation where, you know, the the hospital, the, the sanitarium, what, what, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, possesses him or anything like that, at the same time, uh, I did write down a note while I was watching uh, the movie – and it just seemed to be this theme of, I, I don't know why I wrote theme, but I guess it it occurred a couple times to me in the movie of just poison in the air. And I think the thing that I was referring to probably the most bluntly is the asbestos, you know, the way, mm. you know, ha- just by merely handling it, it gets into the air. And I mean, we have uh, Hank who describes, you know, to Jeff exactly like what it does once it goes into your system right. <laughs> and how it basically, you know, kills you. But um and destroys your insides and everything like that if you let it inside. And it just made me think about the toxicity of the place. So it does create, if you need that as a viewer, like maybe that's a kind of choose your own adventure. <laughs> if you'd like to believe, you know, if you need that to kind of like believe, you know, rather than kind of like looking at the human psyche and knowing and realizing it might be a more fragile thing than we ever want to admit and that, you know, Sometimes people we think are good people and dependable people and Zen people can do unspeakable things. Then there's, there is no explanation maybe. Um, I mean, I don't think that good and evil are separate things. I think that it's, uh, it's, it's much more fluid than that. I think that everyone has kind of like, I guess like a barometer of, of where they fall on it. And I like for most people, we kind of we we have our, our our conscience that you know prevents us from from going overboard or doing those right. things and committing those acts. And even if you like think about them and just like, oh, I'd really want to do that, but you're kind of it's it's just like, but no, I can't because that's not who I yeah. am, sort of thing. And that and that's the sort of the the. Um, I, I guess what 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 Simon is is just like that's the thing. It just like it creeps in, and it's just like the people who are weak and wounded, who don't have that defense yeah. mechanism, who are not able to stop it or say no, and it's able to push them over the edge. Because you know, as as Simon says on the tapes, it's just like I yeah. I forget what the exact line is, or just like how he convinced Mary to murder her brother, Peter, but it's just like, he, he kind of, uh, I guess, persuaded her or just, he kind of stepped in and, mm-hmm. and gave her the tools that she needed to, to be able to, to commit the atrocity. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I kind of see it like that. It's just like, you know, like, Oh, like any, any like sick person out there who's just like, you know, any like number of like known, like, like Jeffrey Dahmer or, or whatever, just like nobody is just like completely like purely evil. It's like one of those things is just like you, you have a, like a, like a, like a mental deficiency and it mm-hmm. allows you to do things that for everyone else, like we, we would have that, that threshold. You know? Mm. Yeah, I do. Um, I always want to pick your brain about something. 
Well, we're. By the way, that was the end of that story for the. the, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I was checking the time. I was checking the time. You kind of wrapped it up in the 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 most gruesome parts. Okay. Exactly when you said you 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 fell within the five minute mark. So good for you. Excellent. Yeah. We we moved on to the movie pretty quickly. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I wanted to ask you in terms of just significance uh, because you have seen this multiple times. What do you make of like? Is it significant to you in any particular? context hank discovering the coins and the rings and whatnot Mm. in that hole in the wall which seems to be sharing you know the other side of that wall is i guess the crematorium uh is what i deciphered but is there any kind of significance of that to you i didn't even think about that but i i i would say that that might be another red herring right um because I don't think that that's, like, the hospital. I don't think that, like, again, like, as we're walking this fine line of, like, is the place haunted or not? Um, but something interesting that I noticed is just at least, like, the first three nights were kind of left with a different character each night um, yeah. staying behind. So the first night is Mike when he's uncovering the the tapes and listening to them. The second night is Hank yeah. when he's going because he, he found the stash. And then he's just like, well, I can't take this out of here now. I'm going to have to go back later when no one's here to right. to get that and then the third night uh is uh gordon who who stays behind um so i yeah i don't like i don't make anything of it i think it was just like it was just one of those mysterious red herrings because later on in the movie when it's still kind of uh posing uh phil as the possible bad guy here because he had the yeah. coin and because he's right. he found it and he's just like flipped on, flipped the coin and that's when there was that weird tension between him and Gordon. It's just like, where did you get that? And he's just like, right. what? You know, and there there's right. like some unspoken uh, issue between them. So I think it was just it was just yeah. sort of there to throw our senses off or just like to just misdirect us and, and confuse us. But it all works so beautifully because it just like, it just adds texture to, to the environment and, and, and the atmosphere of the movie. Right. The only thing that I was kind of struck by while it was happening in, in this, you know, my, my, my only real screening, I remembered thinking um, it was a similar uh, alert that I was kind of like set up, on the same way that when like Mike took down that box marked evidence and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> um, you're my way in buddy. Don't do this. Um, it was like watching someone. Cause also I think didn't Hank find one coin first and then just start kind of like digging, like looking for more. And immediately I just thought like, Oh, typical horror fan. I was like, greed. Oh no. Like you're, 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 you're breaking rules, buddy. You're mm-hmm. in a domain that is not yours. You're accessing something that was left behind by somebody and it is not intended for, intended for you. I don't know what it's doing there or who put it there or why, but I see your reaction to it and the mindlessness and the, the, the appetite for it is something that I can't get behind because I mean, I understand like, you know, a handful of those things are probably priceless. Like old coins are, you know, very, very valuable. And maybe it would be the answer to all of your problems, but. Um, it's going to come at a price because you're in a horror movie. So, and all I could think was if I were there, 
I wouldn't trust it. I'd be like, why are coins falling out of the wall right now? And I would get up and leave because I'm a cautious type. <laughs> so, I mean, my horror movie, you know, radar was up just kind of going, eh, yeah. eh, eh, alert, alert, exit, exit. Yeah. And the fact that he didn't, I mean, he did end up paying the price shortly thereafter. So. I mean, that's what's so fascinating about horror movies and the characters that inhabit them. Because, I mean, we yeah. as an audience can watch a movie and just be like, oh, no, no, no. you could be the Jada Pinkett. Like, no, 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 don't go in there. Yeah, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that we all have our foibles, uh, if you will, and you sure. know, there's going to be a certain thing that will entice us, and that's kind of that's the what will be our undoing because that's our yeah. that's kind of like your fatal flaw. So, I mean, for Hank, it was this. I, I suppose you could you could call it greed. Um, mm. I don't know what it would be for me. I'd have to really like do some introspective thinking to, to understand like what, cause I mean, again, like we don't know what these, what like at this hospital, like I know that they said like it's haunted or whatever, but like, you don't know that you're in a horror movie if you're in a horror movie, uh, unless it's scream. Um, so you don't like, you don't think anything's going to be off, but I mean like certainly when, mm. when Hank was in there and then he noticed that like there was a presence there with him, like he was genuinely, yeah. uh, 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 freaked out by that. Also, did we mention, uh, Josh Lucas? I was just going to, yeah, yeah I, I was just going there. Because uh, I didn't know he was in this movie. So the second I saw him, I just wrote, Josh Lucas! With a <laughs> yeah. question mark and exclamation mark. And uh, I mean, the first thing I ever saw him in was in another indie film, uh, probably around the same time, maybe a year or two earlier. It was Mark Ruffalo's screen debut in a movie called uh, You Can Count On Me. Not a horror movie, but Mark Ruffalo and Laura Linney play brother and sister. And Josh Lucas was Laura Linney's estranged uh, husband, lover, okay. something like that. And um and I think that was the first thing, or maybe I saw him in something before. Oh wait, no, uh, American Psycho I saw before then, and he's Ameri in that. well, yeah, American Psycho came out in two thousand. I definitely remember like seeing this. I mean, by the time I did see it on DVD, uh, David yeah. Caruso was the the most famous person in the movie. But I also knew who sure, Josh sure. Lucas was as well. Yes, um, yes, I don't know what he's done lately, but I just remember him being in a lot of stuff around like you know late 90s 2000s i yeah you know i hope he's still working no yeah i know he was in ford versus ferrari or did okay. he produce it i can't remember i think he was in it though yeah he played leo beeb beeb i don't know whoever that is okay but um i mean most people i mean one of the most like kind of like i guess mainstream things he did was sweet home alabama that rom-com with reese witherspoon uh, okay was but, he the um, love interest he was one of them. She was torn between two lovers, and he was like the one I, from her past who she was supposed to be with. You know, like the I'm one we're all, I've the one never we're seen. To be I've for. never seen the movie, but I assume that it ends with her going back to him. That's usually how this. I've go. I've only ever glanced at it, but that's definitely the formulaic vibe I got from it. And I've actually yeah. seen him on stage. I saw him on Broadway in a production. Uh, of the Glass Menagerie, he played the gentleman caller to yeah. Sarah Paulson's Laura Wingfield and Jessica Lange's uh, Amanda, and Christian Slater was Tom. So yeah, all star okay. cast. Uh, he was good. Patrick he was good. Dempsey is the, I guess, the other love interest in Sweet Home Alabama. Um, and if there's anything I know about Patrick Dempsey, unless it's the movie uh, Enchanted, he is always the other. He's he's always the loser. He's like the. <laughs> The like the low key villain of the story. So I'm, 
uh, he's probably like the big city type that she's just like, no, I'm not into this by the end. Um, yeah, and he's and he's the Alabama. He's the sweet home, but yeah. uh, for Reese Witherspoon. Also, uh, Brendan Sexton the third playing Jeff. I immediately With after I saw Josh Lucas, I wrote down Brendan Sexton the third because I'd first seen him in uh, another indie movie. Uh, welcome to the doll house, doll's house when he was, um, I don't know, 12, 13. And he's probably most recognized by people like in our kind of age bracket in, from, uh, Empire Records. He played Warren. I think he called, he told, he wouldn't tell them his real name. So he called himself Warren Beatty, I think. And then everybody in the, in the record store for the rest of the movie just referred to him as Warren while they were trying to figure out what they were going to do I, with him. And then he just, I've yeah. seen the movie. I don't remember. I, re- uh, I remember like Ethan Embry and yeah. Robin Tunney and Liv- Renee Zellweger. Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Renee. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank. Okay, he yeah. was also I haven't seen it yet, but he apparently he was also in Don't Breathe Two. I don't know who he played. Huh. I see Ray it. Raylan. I don't know. I, okay. I saw it in the theater, but I don't remember it. It was, it was okay. not a, a an improvement uh, over the first okay. one. Not that we he was thought in it. Boys would don't be, cry. But, yeah. He play, he was in Boys Don't Cry. He played a terrible person in that. But um, I I think the thing I love him most. He was in a John Waters movie called Pecker, which was released around the same time as I've Social seen. Dimension. I've seen Pecker. I don't remember it, but uh, Edward he was uh, Furlong, Edward Furlong's yeah. best friend. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, any, anything else you want to, uh, add? Oh, sure. Um, uh, I had the Phil again. Okay. I, <laughs> there were moments, he has a lot of kind of lines that are, I, I, again, I'd love to recontextualize them and wonder what is going on. And is that Phil or is that like imagination Phil yeah. or, or not even imagination delusion Phil? Because like you brought up the, the, the fuck you or whatever of it all but there's also the moment where he's standing there i think it's after the reveal that uh where gordon says confesses that he hit he hit wendy Mm -hmm. and i forget exactly how long it takes for the rest of it to uh, uh come forward but i just remember the reveal of his leg and seeing the scalding and going like, oh, that was the boiling water. Because there was a shot earlier that I couldn't quite make mm. what was going on. It looked like there was a spot on his pants. And I was like, what is – what? It, I'm going to have to ask Zach about that. And then when I saw, yeah. oh, his leg was scalded, it looked like the camera had made the same move it did before. Perhaps we were just looking at his leg wondering, ooh, yeah. what's on his leg? But um, anyway, mm. uh, Phil makes this – it says this line kind of – to himself and kind of pleased with himself. Uh, and I think he it's, when, it's right before maybe he separates from Jeff. Um, but he just says, like, it's going to get ugly. He's Yeah, he's, <laughs> he says that to himself. But then that's when he goes to Mike and he's he's like, OK, something's up with Gordon. And they're having that conversation. And that's when Gordon overhears and he walks up. And that's the one I was alluding to earlier when Gordon walks over and they're just, it's, it's the most awkward thing when like you're talking about someone and that person walks in and then you're just like, it's terrifying. What do we, what do we say? They're just silent for like 10 seconds. And then we're talking about Jeff. Yeah. (laughs) And he's just like, and he sees through the bullshit. And yeah. Oh, 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 very tense. Really? Yeah. Very tense. Um, Yeah. Cause that's when they're, 
he, there's like, you know, someone brings some levity back into it because they're just like, what time is there? Like, oh, it's about lunchtime, you know, because they're never working. Um, and then they're, they're, they flip the coin over like who's going to get lunch yeah. this time. And that's when Jeff comes running in because he found Hank, who's been lobotomized and wandering around uh, another part of the hospital. And that's Ugh. that's when you get the fuck you and then they separate and then yes. all all shit uh hits the fan i was gonna say were you did you get a friday the 13th vibe and i'm talking about part one and i'm talking about like prologue part one when jeff goes out to the van and then the pov oh. kind of rushes towards him and he's just kind of like it's like he was like gonna give him a hug or but he had his arms out stretching it yeah, just made yeah. me think it made me think of the first guy who gets killed in the original Friday the 13th, when he's just like, well, we weren't doing anything. Oh, we, were... we were just messing around. And then, boom, stab. Because yeah. <laughs> it kind of had I, that, I, like, <laughs> It definitely did. I yeah. don't think I attributed it. Uh, uh, good good, good catch, though. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I attributed it to OG Friday the 13th in particular. It did yeah. feel kind of like another one of the one of the tropiest, and not in a bad way, but just, a, you know, in a kind of like, here, 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 you're watching a horror movie kind of thing. Uh, you yeah. know, killer POV kind of thing going on. And I welcomed it. I didn't, I wasn't it was pulled the most, out of it enough to like make a yeah. reference, but yeah. It, it was, was, it was the most like pull. typical horror, <laughs> horror trope kind of thing in the movie. But it was, but yeah. by that point, like, cause there was so much intrigue that it was just like, you know, they earned it. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I just found the note. Where I, I think the part I wrote the note here, are Wendy and M still alive? With a good many exclamation marks and question marks. It was after, I just wrote 444 prior to that with a bunch of exclamation marks. So I'm guessing it must have been around the time that the, re- the reveal of 444, maybe in the cemetery? When it was revealed as like the number, because he was on, sitting, on yeah, he was sitting on Mary Shaw's uh, grave marker. Hobbs, Hobbs. Sorry, <laughs> beware the stare of Mary Shaw. <laughs> That's a Hobbs and Hobbs, Shaw. I would watch Hobbs and that, Shaw. that Mary Hobbs and Mary Shaw. It's like forget, Let's... forget Dwayne Johnson and Jason Jason Statham. It is whoever this actress is who plays Mary. <laughs> Um, uh, 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 only other thing I can say is just like, oh, I remember, God, I was so creeped out. There was, there were, there were so many moments, so many opportunities the movie gave you to be creeped out. And it didn't all feel, even at the end, like they were red herrings. It felt like they were all slowly kind of like trying to dismantle your peace of mind. And it worked. Um, cause I remember when, uh, uh, when Gordon was looking at the wall, there was one thing that he saw, which I can't remember if it was a photo or a drawing, but it was of a bunch of people. And above that, it said like night people. And I just remember thinking like, I don't like that, you know, yeah. shit like that. Like we're on the walls of a sanitarium in somebody's room or seclusion yeah. as they call them. And, you know, if they were an extreme patient is the term that they use. Like I just kept writing down like hydrotherapy frontal lobotomies its own morgue cemetery with no headstones Kirk Boyd what was the thing in house on haunted hill um that <laughs> chamber do you remember what did, oh, what, what did they shit. call it i don't remember you would remember better than i do i would remember better oh, great fucking movie i don't know what your issue is <laughs> It's just. I definitely prefer this, this one. Does. I definitely <laughs> prefer this one, and especially if we're looking at oh, cool. you know mental institution uh, yeah. horror films. Even though this this is not, 
I don't consider it haunted house. This is psychological, no, no. whereas House on Haunted Hill is very much like ghosts and and Vincent Price and well, not sure. Vincent Price, but you know, um, like it could have happened in a building on Wall Street, but instead it just happened to ha- happen in the perfect venue for a fi- horror film to uh, you know kind of unfold absolutely. before your eyes, and, and that's the beauty that, that of just was, like just like you know. Yeah. Psst, Writing a horror movie based on a found location like that. Yeah. Uh, an abandoned hospital. Jesus yeah. Christ. There are fewer venues that would, few venues that would scare me more than, than, than that. Because yeah. uh, homes, that's like one thing and they can carry bad juju and, you know, people love to stay in haunted yeah. houses and I'm like. That's probably oh, why I don't care for the grudge movies all that much because it's just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're in a house. Yeah. Something about a hospital. I remember I I, I listened to uh, I think it was called Southern Gothic podcast, and they talk about like all these like th- horrible things that go down. A lot of them are ghost stories, but some of them are just atrocities. It's not necessarily cr- true crime, but sometimes yeah. that figures into. And it, a, a lot of times, if there's an abandoned hospital, I'm just kind of like, oh, do I want to hear this? And it, the answer is usually yes, but it needs to be like the first thing I do in the day, so I can spend the rest of the day not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but I mean, ultimately, like I, I just want to thank you because it, this was a uh, this was a really really good uh, exposure to something. And also, I mean, it was odd because my first impression when it was over, in addition to the chills that I couldn't shake, were was it seemed to be motivated by the mind uh mostly as opposed to the heart and the heart is what usually attracts me but the more uh, when it, when then I went to bed and then when I woke up this morning and throughout the day as it kept like occurring to me and even as I unpack it with you here yeah. I feel like well the heart's there but it's there in the way that you kind of like encounter like I said before when you're meeting a group of people for the first time when you meet them socially like they're only going to let you see as much as they want to show you until mm-hmm. Something it happens in the moment where it's like a mask off kind of situation and nothing can be concealed. Like even you were talking about when, um, when Hank and, uh, Mike are approached by Gordon and all I could think was about the betrayal, the way Hank, uh, had, you mean uh Phil. or no, uh, uh, the way Phil, Phil sorry, yeah. Phil, the way Phil yeah. had betrayed and Mary Shaw Gordon's trust. You know, and I was just like, you don't violate when someone tells you something in confidence. I-, I I understand you have a working relationship and you've got a deadline and you need to, but but in here and now is not the time to like kind of like unpack this when they can like hide behind the scaffolding and hear you know like what you're saying. Like you can't like you you never want to be in the same place as the person who you're betraying when yeah. you betray them. <laughs> and it, I mean. Again, like it's, it can be looked at strategically. Everything about the way this movie works seemed to be very much kind of like, you know, almost like a chess game. Like, a, you know, like move this this piece to here, and this piece takes this piece, and you know, king yeah. made. I don't know chess, so, but you know. So, what, I mean. what is your <laughs> what is your letterbox score? Oh fuck me! Um, <laughs> probably probably in the vicinity of four stars. If I, I'd have to see it again before I would yeah. give it like anything higher, and I don't think it would drop any lower. I find it kind of fascinating. Yeah. What about you? I give it four and a half. Like it's okay. not quite perfect. There's there's obviously some minor issues with it, and you know, uh, I think like for five star movies, like I usually like something like grandiose, and uh, even though the setting mm-hmm. 
is that. It's just it doesn't have that je ne sais quoi to it, but it's still like such a <laughs> it's such a it's such a great fucking movie. Um I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I so, think my I think my 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 wait, I think my only complaint is maybe the title because I couldn't tell if it was a red herring. Session <laughs> oh, I thought you were well, gonna say because like, I hadn't seen sessions one to eight yet. One through eight. I yeah. thought that too. <laughs> I was like, maybe that's why the movie didn't do better. Yeah. But um, everyone was like, well, I can't maybe. see session nine until I've seen sessions one through eight. Yeah. But <laughs> well, if but, you can't um, put if you can't put Scream Five on the Scream Five, <laughs> then you can't. You definitely can't put nine in a session nine. Exactly when it's yeah. the first film. I mean, come yeah. on, that's just yeah, good common absolutely. sense. But that's well, the if they ever remake it, it'll just be called Session. Think. sessions sessions yeah Yeah. they'll do the plural thing yeah totally oh god cool okay well um let's uh get to the cherry picker it's not like they killed people on purpose all right uh first order of business and i think that we've already kind of uh agreed on this but cherry on top i'm gonna say mike yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did he have a last name? I always like to give last uh, names if they have them. I'll double check. I don't remember I don't remember one. It's I, not on IMDb. Okay, so then never mind. If there is, yeah. it'll be it'll be in the it'll be in the post. It'll be in the in the poll if there well, is that's, a last name. Well, no. It's, that's the cherry picker, but okay. All right. Well, last <laughs> last week speaking of, we asked you who deserves to die the most in Drag Me to Hell. I nominated yeah. Sylvia Ganesh. You nominated Stu Rubin. And uh, yeah. across Patreon, Instagram, and YouTube, the final vote was 564 for Sylvia Ganesh versus 140, sorry, 183 uh, for Stu Rubin. Sorry, did I say that right? 564 versus 183. <laughs> um, okay. Let's wow. Let's, let's Thanks, guys, but wow, haters. Wow. Anyway, go on. Well, let's see why. Uh, I'm scared. Jazzy I'm Boo. Jazzy Boo says that old lady was mad at the wrong person. She was doing the most for no reason. Oh, my God. RSDM okay. says I voted for Stu because in a weird way, the old lady was a little more interesting uh, character than I initially expected, which is a Thank valid you. point. Uh, yeah. my chunky Jordy gotta go with Stu. He just, uh, he's just out for himself, no matter who he fucks over. Most Stu's I know are the same. Uh, ooh. My thoughts exactly. The, you know, some Stu's besides, uh, well, I think we've all known some Stu's besides Mocker. Okay. <laughs> besides Mocker. I would, I would welcome a Stu Mocker over Stu, whatever his last yeah. name is um, in this movie. The oh, so no, you don't mean like I thought you were talking about like specifically people in your life who whose names are stu- named you know, stew. You know, no. when you just have like a person in your life, uh, not a person, but just like there's like a reoccurring <laughs> personality that always like s- seems to have the same name, and it's just like uh, another Mildred, or you know, I don't know any Mildreds, I was just using that as an example. Don't get mad at me, Mildred. <laughs> I haven't had that, but I've had yeah. that thing where somebody has a name and I'm like, I can't call you that because I already have too rich and vivid an association. So I'm going to call you this instead. I do that. And I'm sure that they really appreciate that. Um, they anyway, do. They do. M- most, I'm inventive with Most Jews I know uh, are, this, are the same. The gypsy Romanian lady was just following a tradition. Uh, 
Jake Seymour. Wow. Honestly, I hated that old lady's family as much as anyone. They could have helped their grandmother slash mother out if they had really wanted to. Instead, they just put a guilt trip on the main character instead taking any responsibility. Mendejo. Good point. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, like, clearly, there was a lot of people. They could have scrounged up some money. Um, <laughs> Mendejo says Ganoush gives me the same energy that Karens who be mad at fast food and retail workers for things that are way above their pay grade give hag oh my god <laughs> Dale Johnson oh, definitely <laughs> Sylvia she did the absolute most unreal talks <laughs> Sylvia like how are you going to curse someone to hell and then end up there yourself embarrassing Sucked, <laughs> says, gotta go with Stu. There's no need for him to pull one over on Christine. And the old woman is an immigrant in America. That ain't easy. Plus, it's easy nice. to kill a Stu because I just think if, of Stu from Scream. Uh, okay. <laughs> just drop a TV on his head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's Mata. dead. Mrs. Ganesh sentenced someone's immortal soul to eternal damnation in hell. I think that's kind of bad. LOL. <laughs> Bruno Salata and Ms. Ganoush was at least interesting to watch and she kind of slayed after taking Chris's button and putting her to sleep Thank you. like yeah. yes mysterious queen gag her Stu was just a pain in the ass the, uh, the, the guillotine he gets the guillotine sorry guillotine, uh, guillotine. guillotine. <laughs> you're so UK I so UK the guillotine guillotine the, gu- the guillotine <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Sean Princic with an ending that big of a downer I think I'll skip it therefore I vote for creepy lady feels like a safe bet but I'm sure the other guy is bad too uh, he's bad uh, bo- bo- <laughs> Boogan Gang Boogan Gang Sylvia milked the whole movie and Michael <laughs> Vasquez says Sylvia Ganush <laughs> Wait, if she did she if she milks the whole movie, is that pro or con? I don't know. I I'm just reading what I'm what I got here. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. Um, well, I got a hag, and that hurt my feelings. So. I also um, uh, Sam Levy uh, messaged me because um, he uh, was just saying, "What is uh, fuck? What's her name? Christine? What is her zodiac sign?" Um, oh, and because we because we haven't really discussed characters zodiac signs for a while. I I'm not going to bother with anyone in session nine because that's just I don't. I mean it, that's 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 a lot to to unpack. But um, sure. no, I was gonna I, I I thought about it for like all of two seconds, and I'm just like she's a Virgo. <gasps> I'm I'm pained. I know you would be. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this wait? You didn't you think somebody else was a Virgo? Like well, somewhat recently. I, no, that but also but but then me. Sam Sam responded to me just like you know what it makes sense. Like most horror movie uh, final girls or these characters t- typically turn out to be Virgos. It is Vir- Virgo is a very traditional like final girl, or even though she's not a final girl. But um, I was going to say yeah. she doesn't survive. The she movie. does not. not no, Justin girl. Long is the final girl here. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, it's like most most like horror movie heroines will say. Uh, it, it seems that well, way. I don't know. So maybe if I I, if I I would only embrace that label if she had taken the coin from Justin Long like I wanted her to, so she could sacrifice herself. I think that would be very Virgo of her. But you know, clean up her mess. 
It's very Virgo of you to to make that reach, we'll say. (laughs) I want some more... It's all on one condition. (laughs) I want some more Scorpio, like, main characters i like well we'll find some i know we'll find some we had we had Catherine in at cruel intentions not horror but that's true okay that's true. all right we're we're getting off track here as we as we yes, ta- we sometimes do when we when we talk about uh, yeah, zodiac go. signs but um i'm gonna like i said earlier there like i like everyone in this movie uh but you actually brought up a very interesting point and i don't know if i'm taking away your nomination um which is very which is which is very possible but you mentioned how like this is the characters when you meet them it's sort of like a group setting and everyone kind of has this identity and you you're kind of warming up to them and you're getting to know them and and i did not feel that with um craig is that his name the uh oh the 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 friday replacement dude um and and, you know what not not to any fault of his own because he didn't really get time to uh unveil his character he basically showed up and got iced right away but Mm. even in like the mo like just the few moments that we got with him it just like there was nothing really that i felt like we were missing for like it's just Mm. like like I i didn't feel like that was a character if he if he had not been in the movie at all i wouldn't mm-hmm. have missed him um and that's okay. nothing against the actor who plays him it was just you know he just shows up and he's just like i think he has like a a very cliche line when he like opens the door and sees the hospital he's like oh you gotta be kidding me and he just walks in and he's all like all right like gordon let's do this like let's go he's like what's what's that oh, what's he doing on the floor pays the price so yeah. quickly yeah so oh, do you know who that is who is it his name is Larry Fessenden, and he's a horror director, and also he's produced. But um, I haven't had that much exposure, but he's got quite a following in kind of like underground horror. Okay. And the one film of his that I saw, I saw a couple years ago called Depraved. I don't even, the less people know going in, the better. Just see it. It was streaming on Hulu, when okay. le- went where which is where I caught it. So if you, you've got a Hulu active Hulu account, check it out. I, it was a ride. I enjoyed it a lot. He's really inventive, uh, very much like uh, this director. So it was it was funny to see him. Uh, I didn't recognize him right off the bat, but while I was lo- looking at IMDb, you yeah. know, <laughs> just before we started recording, I was like, I know that name. And mm-hmm. I double checked and it's the same guy. So uh, he also produced like House of the Devil. He's had he's had his hand in a, a lot of horror pies. But cool. um, yeah, he's uh, the look, guillotine look him with him. With, to the guillotine with Craig um, with Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm at a loss because the thing is, yeah, um, you picked a good one. I, I kind of wished that Jared Leto was in this. Movie. Ah. Be easy. <laughs> Who would Jared Leto play? <laughs> No, he just would, have he would, him walk on he, screen. Jared Leto <laughs> he would be... Have been Craig. Well, I was going to say Jared Leto would have <laughs> been Hank, probably. Uh, that, probably. He seems yeah. like he would steal someone's girlfriend and then, you know, just... Fuck you off know, to just Miami. Just to rub it in, like, one of his yeah. friend's faces. Yeah. but And then go and then escape to Miami and yeah. no one is surprised. Yeah. But, um, I mean, this is the thing. Like, because, yeah, like, Hank isn't, like, a very, like, sympathetic character. But at the same time, like, I do... What what warrants sympathy from me for him is basically his undoing, like towards the end of the movie, like just watching him move around what are you completely doing lobotomized. 
Oh, it, it and when he the first time he asked it yeah. chilled me to the bone. I was like, oh, I had to pull my blanket up and just wrap it around my entire body. I was like, I can't. This is really scary. And um, so, but and then when you find out what really happened to him, you're just like, oh fuck, that's terrible. Like nobody deserves that. So he really doesn't deserve to die or even suffer yeah. before death the most. So no, um, I. Oh my god, I, you're I, gonna I, pick the you, baby. No, no, what? Wendy. <laughs> Emma, Emma the baby. I'm, I'm just, pick I'm Emma just like baby. waiting for, I'm, I'm waiting for like the, the 2024 version of Tree's mom, you know? <laughs> 24, 2024. Did I say 2024? You said 23. That's what I heard. Did mm. you say 23? I don't care. <laughs> it's January. I'm allowed to. <laughs> Yeah, you're still in the yeah. interim. We're, we're, I think yeah. the only the only one who I haven't quite made up my mind about because it's like someone who I w- was on his side and actually as the film progressed, I found myself less and less on his side. Um, just because of the way he went about what he was doing, like I guess I get his point of view, but he bothered me the most, was Phil. I just think he's kind of a shitty friend. Like even, even if he's doing things with the best of intentions, he's just kind of tactless. And I still don't understand the smile with the like, things are about to, or it's going to get uh, ugly. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to make of him. I still don't know what to make of him. And now that it's been introduced that he is like also manifest as a delusion for Gordon at some points and other times he's really there. It's got me questioning who's the real. So he's just a headache for oh, me. Wow. Phil, kill Phil. I think he deserves to die. Oh, well, now I mean, you're making me deserves think, to die in this movie. Now you're but, making yeah, me want to like go back and watch the movie with that perspective of any scenes where Gordon yeah. and Phil are alone to yes. see is like is that Phil in like what is he saying yeah. and what is it like provoking in Gordon? Absolutely, see, mm. but so that that's. It, it it's kind of a crucial component of the horror movie, but it also it make it pisses me off because again. I could see my again. Okay, okay, Edward. I could see myself working with anybody else. Nothing in this movie pissed you off. Let's not. Let's not be. (laughs) No, but I mean, just I have to go to like the social cues. Like I feel like I get along with everybody else. I thought it was going to be Jeff for a while, but then at the end, he seemed really sweet and in that way that Brendan Sexton the third can be. Like Mm. I was just kind of like, "There's that little punum. There's that kid (laughs) that I that I love watching on screen so much. I feel bad for him. He's scared, you know." And, and nobody's listening to him. Nobody believed him. That was another thing. Phil didn't believe him. Fuck him. So yeah, f- kill Phil. All right, there, there you go. go. You can uh, you can vote for <laughs> Craig, or you can vote for Phil. Vote your heart. Vote your conscience. The polls will be open on <laughs> Patreon if you are supporting over there, Instagram, and YouTube. If you are new to the Cherry Picker Podcast and you have been listening to us, head over to YouTube and you can watch us there. Mm. Subscribe. Uh, and if you are watching us on YouTube, subscribe. Uh, but you can also listen to us. The RSS feed link is in the descriptions down below. You can go follow us on Instagram at the Cherry Picker Pod. Edward, what are your socials? Oh, I don't have any. Okay. Um. And you can find me on uh, YouTube, Zach Cherry, Z-A-C-K-C-H-E-R-R-Y is the main channel. Uh, Letterboxd, Zach Cherry. Uh, Zach Cherry. Um, uh, 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 what is my Instagram? Oh, at Retro Bitch Race, all one word, Twitter, Zach Cherry 8.
I think that, that about covers it. What are we? What are we? Well, we know what we're doing next week. That's the cherry picker after dark. Of the, yeah. The versus original uh, remake, whatever we're calling it. Um, yes. Listen, I'm not even selling it well. Like, please support the us Smackdown. and watch this. Just like whatever that final girl is. smackdown. Final girl smackdown. OG versus remake. But what do we have going on uh, the the week following that? It's it's that good one, right? With it, the yeah, with the 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 speech impediment. Oh my the... god, these people want to go to bed or to work or whatever. Just just tell them. <laughs> then they would shut it off. They probably already have. It's Silence of the Lambs. We are doing Silence of the Lambs, uh, so that'll be in February. Uh, stay yeah. tuned for that then. Uh, until mm-hmm. next time, uh, what, what do we say? I don't know. Well, Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will be...